Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Let's go to Isaiah this morning. You can start heading that direction. And um, I want to I want to preach a little bit of a Christmas sermon. Um, so I thought it would be not a better way to start a Christmas sermon than talking talking about politics in church. <laughs> Isn't it what we all love? I thought it was funny because um, we had a uh, we had the cross-country team come over to our house for a Christmas party the other day, and I just really like hanging out with those guys. They're my, my youth group away from church, and uh, I figure if they're in my house, I can talk about whatever I want, um, but they were all over my house, and, and we have this cat, Sheldon. He's a great cat, and uh, he loves strangers, but he's, he's missing his tail, and it doesn't, like, when people come over to my house for the first time, they always want to know about this tail. Like, like I have yet to meet a person who didn't say, what happened to his tail? And uh, so being who I am, I've concocted this long, elaborate story. Um, you can call it a lie if you want. <laughs> I call it having a good time. And, and it, the gist of it is, is that we had some, some neighbors that were foreign, and they were moving away, and we were great friends with them. And um, this is a terrible way to open up a Christmas message, for real. And, uh, and as they were moving away, they invited us over for dinner one night, and they, they served us this little snack. And the next day, they gave us this cat with no tail. And they said, now he's a part of you and a part of us. They had served us his tail the night before. And of course, the reactions are great. I know, it's, I came up with it myself. Um, it's a terrible story. It's terrible. It's terrible. And, in, and I love the reaction. Some of you, even now, the reaction on your faces is exactly the reason I tell it. And, um, yeah, it's, it, yeah. So we have this um, exchange student who is part of our team this year, and, and I was relaying the story like I do and, uh, about the tale. And, and I got to the end of the story, and I said, they told us, though, when we got, got him, because he was a little sore in his tail, to really work his legs, especially his back legs, you know, so that he could work out that soreness and to really pull on his leg like I'm doing yours right now. <laughs> Which is a way I like to end a lot of stories where I'm totally not telling the truth. Um, and he just looked at me because he had no clue what pulling your leg meant. <laughs> so I had then to proceed to tell him, that this is what pulling your leg means, and I'm not pulling your leg about what pulling your leg means. Um, the cat thing was a lie, but this is true. Um, but I, I, um, I tell, it, tell a story. Uh, there's a military guy who, uh, who retired from the military and got into teaching, and one day uh, he had told his class, he goes, I don't want to hear another peep out of any of you. And a kid in the back of the class went, peep. 
And he said, is that the hill you want to die on? And a lot of kids don't know what that means. Is this the hill you want to die on? How many have ever heard that before, right? How many have no clue what that means? Oh, just the kids in the back. Yeah. Uh, great. Is that the hill you want to die on? Um, and I think, man, as I, you know, and this is, what, this is what really stirs me up, is that especially when you look on social media or you look at different things, people, they have things that they're passionate about right? They have things that they have given their lives to. Like when a certain topic comes up, they're going to start talking about it because they are passionate about it. And some of them are so passionate about it that they have decided this is the hill I'm going to die on. And I look at some of them and, and some of them, especially if they're people who don't know Christ and whatever, I'm like, man, they're really all about that thing. They must really think NASCAR is awesome. Because they won't back up. For some reason, they're really dedicated to the hogs. I haven't figured it out. I'll just tell you right now, I'm a fair weather fan. People are all posting about like the Chiefs and stuff. Yeah, don't jump on the bandwagon when we're heading to the Super Bowl or whatever. And I'm like, I mean, that's all I have time for is jumping on bandwagons. I don't have enough time in my life to be anything than a fair weather fan. But we have things that we're, we're passionate about, things that we're like, we decide, like, this is the thing. And, and it probably isn't news to you that, especially this last week in the realm of politics, oh, my goodness gracious, there's been a lot of opinions going around. This might shock you. There's various opinions in this room this morning. I want us to look at something here in Isaiah chapter 9. And this is uh, Isaiah, Matthew actually quotes this section, not this exact section, pretty close to it, in Matthew chapter 4, talking about Jesus. He quotes the verses just preceding this. Well, I'll actually read, let's actually read part of what Matthew quotes. He quotes chapter 9, verse 2. He says this, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has shone, uh, has light shone. And if we skip down, if you will, to verse 6 and 7, we come to a, a section of Scripture that we see a lot during the Christmas season. And it says this in verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder." And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And what we understand right here, that these are words written some six, seven hundred years before Christ was born. And when we look at it, what we realize that this is a prophecy about a Messiah who is about to be born. You, you want to talk about politics. Let's talk about politics in the day that Jesus was born. Because things were a little messed up. We think things are bad in Washington, D.C., 
in the day that Jesus was born, the Roman Empire had taken over all that part of the world, all around the Mediterranean. Uh, there, was, there was a guy, if you rewind two, three, four decades before the birth of Christ, Julius Caesar, everyone, anyone ever learn about Julius Caesar? Everybody, anyone ever zone out in that part of class when your teacher was up talking about Julius Caesar? Can I tell you that this was a guy who didn't think he was just a guy? He, he believed that he was divine. In fact, after his death, the Roman Senate voted and it affirmed him as a deity. Can you imagine if our senators today voted our leader, a deity. And here's the thing about Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar, his son didn't take over for him. It was actually his nephew, his adopted nephew. He adopted as a son. And get this, as he, as he adopted this, this nephew, Augustus, which, who we will read about here in just a little bit, Augustus Caesar, as he adopted this son, this, this son takes over, and he adopts this title as the son of the divine Caesar. The son of a deity is who he is. In fact, it says it on coins from that day. It has his picture and it says, the son of the divine Caesar. That's a messed up government, if you ask me. That's a messed up government, if you ask me. You know, it, it's, it's funny, though, because that wasn't the only thing going on in that day and time. There were other empires. In fact... What's crazy, if, if you look, Israel was kind of at the edge of the Roman Empire, and not far off was the Parthian Empire. Not, not, not terribly far off at all. In fact, it's probably, have you ever heard of the three wise men? Well, there, there doesn't say there was three. There, there might have actually, some scholars think, think there were dozens, if not hundreds, maybe. I wasn't there. Mary knows. That's something else Mary knows. Which I keep... It blows my mind. Mark Lowry, the comedian, is making bank off that song. I can't believe that guy. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh, I digress. Um, it, it gets me. Uh, but, but these wise men coming from the east would have maybe come from that empire, the Parthian Empire. Now, Augustus Caesar actually sent a gift trying to make peace with this empire over here, they had had some bad times. There had been some battles. There had been some turmoil between the two empires. And in an attempt to make peace, they have these treaties. And part of that was, and this is what kind of gets me, is Augustus sends a concubine, a slave woman, over to the other empire and says, here, and this was a, apparently a very bright and beautiful woman that he sent over to the other empire. And what happens is, is this woman... She rises up. She has a son with the emperor of that empire and convinces him to send all his other sons back over to Rome, almost to say, let's get rid of any competition. Then she has a son with the emperor, and then her and her new son kill the emperor, poison him, and then she marries her son so she can be queen. This is the kind of political climate that when Jesus is born, this is what's going on. And you think Washington, D.C. is messed up. This is the kind of thing that's going on. 
And that emperor calls himself the king of kings. He calls himself the king of kings. So you have an emperor over here who's calling himself a deity, and, and his nephew's calling himself the son of the deity, the son of God. And then over here, you have another emperor calling himself the king of kings. And right here in the middle, you have Jesus being born. You look at the Jews. Here's the Jews living under Roman rule, not far off from another empire. If they decide to go to battle, they're going to be right in the middle of it all Again, you can now see why they might be a little excited to have a Messiah come and save them from this mess. This is quite a mess. So much so that when we look at Scripture, we see that, uh, let's go to Luke. It's a Christmas message. Let's go to Luke. We, We like to give the Pharisees a hard time. Because they gave Jesus a hard time. But did you know the history records that under under Herod and Augustus, uh, they wanted the Pharisees to pledge an oath of fidelity to the Roman Empire. To the Son of God. And the Pharisees wouldn't do it. And history records some 6,000 Pharisees. Some 6,000 Pharisees refused to swear an oath of loyalty to the Roman Empire. And we give this is happening just just as Jesus is about to be born. And we like to be like, oh, those Pharisees, man, they're so hardcore. Man, they were so hardcore. They believed in the one true God. Yeah, they were hardcore. So what's crazy, if you get that kind of background, is like, okay, they have the Roman government saying, we are God. And then they have this nobody named Jesus stepping up and saying, yeah, I'm God, actually. And here they are caught in the middle. And we're like, oh, those Pharisees, they were so, they were, they were so bad. Well, yeah, some of them were, Jesus said. They were so caught up in trying to be Pharisees, they couldn't see Jesus for who he was. So this is the political environment that we see Jesus being born into. And Luke, let's, let's, uh, oh, where am I? Luke chapter 2. It says, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Some think that maybe even this registration was in part due to this Pharisee rebellion. We need you to register and pay a tax. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son 
and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. This is how the God of the universe chose to be Lord. When we, when we look at John chapter 1, and, and I'll just, let me, let me just go there and read it for you. In John chapter 1, it tells us this. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We skip down. It says, the true light, verse 9, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here we see in this intense political environment, and I will say, uh, to be accurate, the time that Jesus was born was a time of peace within the Roman Empire. All the craziness going on had been a few decades back. But as you fast forward to the years after Christ's death, you'll see the turmoil just picks right back up to the point where in that that empire to the east, 50,000 Jews will be slaughtered. And the Jews, the zealots, injures them will rise up and the temple will be destroyed. All this will happen in this intense political apartment, uh, environment. And you see, you see the Jews, they're longing for something. They want to see something. They need deliverance from oppression. And so they're looking for a great leader. And really what they're looking for is a conquering king that will show up and will save the day. And what they get is a baby. A baby. And not a baby born in a palace. Not even a baby born in an inn. A baby born in a barn. I guess they gave him right to leave the door open everywhere he went. Were you born in a barn? Yes. And it was your fault. You should have got to Bethlehem sooner while there were still rooms available. The lowliest of lowlies. In verse 8 of chapter 2 of Luke, it tells us this. It says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. Also, this, this probably tells us that, that Jesus probably wasn't born in the winter. I know we celebrate then, but they probably wouldn't have been out in the fields at that time. But it's okay. It said, and the angel Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, that will be for all people. And I just want to stop here for a second and say that, that 
that notice who the king of the universe has decided to come to first to declare that royalty has been born. He doesn't go to the kings and princes of the world. He doesn't go to the noble elite. He doesn't even go to where to the towns where, where the masses are gathered. He goes out to a hillside where some common shepherds, just some common shepherds, are sitting around watching their sheep. They're just doing their job. And that's where God decides to announce that he has come. And he says to this in verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swallowing cloths and lying in a manger. Lying in a manger. And, and I've said this before. I, I will say it again. I, I know we think of a manger as this cute little thing. We see it in nativity. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a feeding trough. The God of the universe is born. And he's laid in a feeding trough. Which mother in this room, when your baby was born, you're like, now let's bust out the feeding trough. Let's make that hay as fluffy as we can. And let's, let's lay that like there, there was nowhere else to lay the child. This is a lowly position. It's not a cutesy scene that we see in a department store window. This is a, this is a humble scene. I, I, I mean, I, I know what it's like when we're about to have company over to our house. And I know the way I get and my wife gets, and we're like, oh, my goodness. We've got to start getting the house in order. Can you imagine the way Mary felt when the wise men walk in to where they are? It says, and suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And their shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. We, we, we sang this. We sing it in all of our, our Christmas songs. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. That Jesus himself, when he showed up on the scene, when he began his earthly ministry, 
the thing that he kept trying to get people to see over and over and over and over again was that you guys have this by the wrong end of the stick. You think that the kingdom of God is going to come in a way that it's not coming. And this is what Jesus said. He said the kingdom of God is here now. The kingdom of God is at hand. Think about this, that when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, Matthew chapter 6, am I right? This is what he tells them. He says to pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Luke chapter 17, when, when Jesus is being asked by the, the Pharisees, he responds to them. And they say, when will the kingdom of God come? And he answers saying, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. This whole idea, even the disciples, when Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven, he's talking to them, they're like, Jesus then you're going to then you're going to establish your kingdom when the mother of James and John come to Jesus and they're like can my boys can they sit at your right and left hand in the kingdom i mean all this stuff goes on that even Jesus own disciples don't always really get what the kingdom of god really is and i think even us Sometimes we're just as guilty, even though we're like, we have the whole Bible now, so we know way more than those jokers. But sometimes we don't truly understand what the kingdom of God really is. And, and I want to say it about this. Let me, let me put it in context of, of things that are going on in the world today. Because you're getting ready to sit down at a table with a bunch of your family members. And I don't know what happens around. I don't know if you guys talk politics around your dinner table or not. Hopefully not. Oh, my gosh. Are you crazy? But as we're sitting down and with, with everything that's going on in our country today, and I, I look at the stuff that we say and the stuff that we post online and the, and the things that we want to make an argument for, and, and we, pick, we pick these hills to die on. Well, I'm a Republican, and I'm going to be a Republican, and that's the hill I'm going to die on. Or I'm, I'm liberal, and I'm going to be liberal, and that's the hill I'm going to die on. I'm going to, I have some, well, it's good news, but maybe it's bad news for you for a minute. I'm going to just, the Republicans and the Democrats, they're not going to save our country. Now, have a political opinion. I think that's important as an American citizen. But I, can I tell you something? My, citizen is, my citizenship is in heaven first. That's the hill I'm going to die on for Jesus Christ and his kingdom to be manifest on this earth. And the problem I see is so many of us fighting for things that are temporary and will pass away. And we lose a voice to speak into other people's life because we're so rigid into this one opinion. Everyone needs to know what my opinion is right here. And, and I've, I've begun calling out some of my friends on it. 
They say things and do things that I don't think honors Christ. And they, well, I'm just trying to spread truth. Once again, by all means, have an opinion on politics. Have an opinion on anything. But if we're so dogmatic about our opinion that we lose having a voice in someone's life to speak life and real truth into them, then we've got the whole thing by the wrong end of the stick. Our government will not save us. Do I pray for a godly government? Yes. Do I pray, pray for godly leaders? Absolutely. Do I think they're my hope? What hill will you die on? And as I began to look at this, I realized I didn't understand. I wasn't trying to come up with a pun or, or anything like that, but it, I realized that Jesus actually chose a hill to die on. Why did Jesus die on the cross? So your favorite political party have an endorsement from God? No, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It was for love the Savior died. And so as you're sharing your thing, is it for love? And I know, get this, sometimes sharing love is truth that hurts. Sometimes when you're loving someone, you have to share something that's painful to them. I know you don't want to hear this, but I love you, so I'm going to share it. But that's different than just beating someone over the head with something they don't like because you don't like what they believe. Maybe not, but it's possible America could end. There's been countries rise and fall all throughout history. And did you know in all those countries throughout history, there were believers who hung on to Christ in the midst of the adversity, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of everything that's gone on. So my question is, though, is where's your hope really? Where's your, where's your passion really? Really, and as I've had to call out some of my friends, especially in the last week, man, they've gotten fired up. And just so you know, on both sides, I've been fair. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought you loved Jesus. Well, I do. Sure, but some of you are like, he didn't say anything to me. Maybe you were nice. I don't know. Can I say this? Isaiah chapter 9, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Can you imagine that? The government is on his shoulder. And I believe in the actual literal second coming of Christ. Well, he will establish 
his reign on earth. I believe the Bible says that. If you look in Revelations, I believe it, it tells us that over and over again. The government shall be on his shoulder, and his name will be called what? Wonderful Counselor. This morning, who is your wonderful counselor? Wonderful counselor. And, and time, time doesn't allow me to go into how deep that wonderful name of Jesus is. Wonderful counselor. That counsel is way better than Twitter. Way better than your Facebook page. He's a wonderful counselor. And I find that over and over and over again as I dig into this word of God, as I know that this is where my hope is, this is where my help comes from. He is the wonderful counselor. The mighty God. Can you, can you realize this? It says a child is born and it calls him, his name should be called wonderful counselor, mighty God. The child's name is mighty God. He's a baby in a manger. He, he poops his little cloth diaper. And he is mighty God. Because God is trying to prove something to us. And, and what I'm hoping to do a little bit this morning is, is, is to kind of like, if I could just chisel away at that little holiday window we put in front of us if i could really just chisel that away and let you see the nativity for what it really is like like if you could just take off the the traditional blinders for a moment and really look down into that barn and really really see what's going on in that in that feeding trough that there's a baby laying there and it is the mighty god and he's trying to prove a point to the entire world, that God will become a man, and he will do it in a way that's completely unexpected. It's not going to be on a white charger with a sword in his hand. It's going to be a baby in a feeding trough. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father, everlasting. I talked on faithfulness a few weeks ago. To think that our Father is a, is a good Father. He's the everlasting Father. I know maybe not all of our relationships with our Father have been good. But He is a good Father. He is a faithful Father. He is the everlasting Father. And it says this, the Prince of Peace. And if, if I could look around this week in America... One thing I haven't seen is a lot of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And as I've watched it all, as I stood back and just watched everything, and, and yeah, I have my opinion too. Am I going to share it with you all? No way. Can I tell you part of the reason why? Because I have a greater message. Is that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And that doesn't mean, I, I just want to, you have to say these things because then people feel, it doesn't mean that if I see you post your opinion about things that are going on in the current events that I think you're a bad person. 
Absolutely not. I'm just saying as you post your opinion, you better post it with the backdrop of Jesus is the hope of the nations. I don't like what's going on, but Jesus is the hope of the nations. So feel free. He's the prince of peace. And this is what it says. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I, I pray and I hope uh, that, that our nation lasts until the return of Christ. I believe this is the greatest nation on earth with more freedom than any place at any time in history. But can I tell you something? We haven't seen anything yet. And that you can be part of a government today. Today. That has more freedom and peace and love than you have ever known. Can I tell you something? I said it already. I, I'm a, yeah, I'm an American citizen, but I'm a citizen of heaven first. First. And everywhere I go, every room I walk into, I'm bringing with me the kingdom of heaven. To where I can say, exactly like Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is near. It's at hand. It's right here. And I have good news. Every room I walk into, my goal is to do exactly what I prayed that morning. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is to bring heaven into every room I walk into. To bring hope and life of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that's taking people's preconceived ideas of what they think God is and turning it on its head. That's a lot of fun. I've seen some of you do it to people before. Because that's what God did. That's what, that's what Jesus did when he broke in to that stable 2,000 years ago. Is he took all the preconceived ideas and he went, turned them on their head. What are you going to do with that? Well, Jesus, we're just, we're just waiting for you to come. And I believe, I believe I'm praying for the coming and returning of our Lord. I believe he's coming. I also believe I don't have to wait. I believe I can see his kingdom now. And so it doesn't stress me out of what goes on around me. It doesn't stress me out what goes on in Washington, D.C. It doesn't stress me out what goes on in Little Rock. It doesn't stress me out what goes on down the hallway in the office in my school or even in my own classroom, my own home. Because guess what I know? Jesus is on the throne. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to start acting like Jesus is on the throne. That we are citizens of his government above anything else. And to walk righteously as citizens of heaven. That's what's so great. That's what's so fun. Some of you have been on mission trips. 
around the world and, and you've been able to meet your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you look at these people that you've never met and you look them in the eye and you see the joy and the hope and the love in their eye. And you're like, they've got the same thing I've got. They serve the same king I serve. And then all of a sudden, something occurs to you that there's something greater than the borders that we've established in this world. That there's a citizenship that's greater than anything we ever know. And it all started with a baby in a feeding trough. Will you stand with me for a second? And uh, is there someone who can play some things? There you go, Zach. Here in just a moment, I want to I want to open up the altar for just a time of prayer and ministry. It could be because something said in the sermon today, or it could just be like, you know, I'm stressed out about the holidays, or I need a healing in my body, or whatever it is. We want to be here to minister the word to you. But before we do that, I want to take just a half a second and challenge you guys with something. I want to challenge you with the next time you walk by a little nativity scene, I want you to stop. I just want you to stare at it. I really want you to push yourself into the scene. I really want you to see this is the child that was born. This is the kingdom of God being established on earth. We, we can be so guilty of seeing all the great things around us and being envious of them, coveting them, especially at Christmas time. Like, man, look at all the cool stuff they got. Especially as we're, we're, we're flipping through, seeing all the stuff other people are doing and we're, we're we're almost jealous. Oh, look at the fun they're having. Look at the stuff. Look at the places they get to go. Oh, look how nice they look. Look how great their house is. Oh, look at those decorations. We can be all so guilty of that. And Jesus is saying, no, just like, just get real simple. Just get real humble. That's just stuff. There's something greater than the stuff. And that's the peace and hope and joy that's in your heart. I, I, I was guilty of it yesterday. I saw a picture online. I was like, oh. My heart went in a really bad place real quick. I was like, oh, that would be so cool. If you have your citizenship in the wrong place, you can get caught up trying to keep up with the wrong people. 
And then instantly the Lord was like, wait a minute. You have an eternal reward coming that's greater than like, however hard you'd have to work to get that thing. You have eternal reward that'll be greater than any of it. It was mostly because I knew that thing was never affordable of a teacher salary. But I have a treasure in heaven that's going to come because of all the conversations I was able to have with students that I would never got to have otherwise. And the same is true of you, where God has put you. The family members he's put around you, the people that he's put in your life, the people you meet on a day-to-day basis, God is wanting you to usher in the kingdom of God into their lives. And just be faithful to it, knowing that your treasure is in heaven that this kingdom is upside down. And so I tell you this morning, this morning I look around this room and I see some of the richest people on the planet. Because I've walked with you all and I've seen you walk confidently before the Lord. I've seen you be faithful. I've seen you continue to profess his name when life has gotten hard, when relationships have crumbled, when your body has started failing and you continue to proclaim the goodness of the Lord. I'm telling you, you have a treasure in heaven that the world will never see because this kingdom is upside down. So Father, we come before you right now during this Christmas season. Father God, and we are thankful We are thankful for everything that you've done. Lord, we know that every good and perfect thing comes down from above, from the Father. God, I pray as we move through this holiday season, God, there's so many places to go, so many gifts to give. But God, I, I pray that in this congregation, Lord, that you would have all of us come to an understanding that inside of us is the greatest gift of all and that we can share it with people who don't know you and even with people who do. That this life and this love, Lord, we can give that in every room we walk into. Jesus. These altars are open this morning. If you need any kind of prayer or ministry, would you come and and let let us pray the kingdom of God into your situation? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.